What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Hunter Jacobs, and you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets Podcast. All right, so this episode, obviously, it's a solo podcast. Me and Najee couldn't get together for this one, but we'll be back for an early one next week. This episode, I'll cover the last four games for the Nets real fast. The game against the Heat, the Hawks when Kyrie returned, the Jazz, and the Sixers. Then I'll go over Kyrie's recent comments to the media and my thoughts on it, and then some quick on off court stats, you know my favorite numbers as always. But before I get into things, this podcast is sponsored by the Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at Kona Coffee H I K O N A Coffee. And now let's get into things. So if you remember, me and Najee were discussing the potential death row schedule that the Nets were facing after the Hawks game that's coming up after this Heat game, although we mentioned that the Heat game was was the tough start to things and the Hawks was just a little break before they get into the hardest part of their schedule. So they managed to beat the Heat, 117 113. They had a rough first quarter, gave up 42 points to the Heat to their 32, and also lost the second quarter. Then they dominated the entire second half and wound up winning by four. And the star of this game, as always, Spencer Dinwiddie on the game before Kyrie returned. Spencer Dinwiddie had 26 points, four rebounds, 14 assists. Two steals and a block on 10 of 19 shooting. Although he shot 4 of 8 from the free throw line, he gets a break. That's not something to expect every game out there. But he had a rough one from the line. Rodion's Karuk started and shot 7 of 9, 4 of 5 from 3 on his way to 19 points and 3 rebounds. Jared Allen double-doubled with 11 and 11. And DeAndre Jordan had 8 points and 10 rebounds. So the duo in their 48 minutes combined, as always, had 19 and 21. Torian Prince had 17 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists on 8 of 17 shooting. 1 of 10 from beyond the arc. So his 3-point inefficiencies continued. That's something he'll have to work on as they head on to the second half of the season because... He was supposed to really be a 
a sharpshooter and he hasn't really panned out in that role although he hasn't he hasn't been bad by any means but the inefficiencies are starting to pile up Karis Levert didn't have the best shooting game either he shot four of 15 from the field and Joe Harris shot two of nine from the field and Harris had 9.7 rebounds, 6 assists, so he had a pretty versatile stat line for his game. And Karis LeVert had 11 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 assists. On the Heat side of things, Jimmy Butler had 33 points and 9 rebounds on 12 of 18 shooting, and Bam Adebayo had 22, 6, and 7 on 10 of 13 shooting. They really carried the offense. Drogic had 17 on 5 of 13 shooting with 5 assists. No one other than that had above 10 points. So the Nets did a pretty good job defending the players outside of Butler and Adebayo. The turnovers were low for both teams as the Heat had just 8 and the Nets had 10. While... The three-point defense for the Nets was phenomenal in this one as the Heat shot just 7 of 29 from three, which helped them win the game. The Nets were shooting pretty poorly from the free throw line as they were 12 of 19, but they still pulled out with the win, so you'll take one bad with all the good that, that came with this game. Now, moving on to the Hawks game. Kyrie Irving returned. Me and Najee actually went to this game. So it was kind of a last minute thing. He texted me. He was like, oh, you want to go to the game today? The tickets aren't that expensive. You know, they're playing the Hawks. We were actually like, oh, we'll go see Trey Young. Trey Young didn't wind up playing, of course. But then we found out Kyrie Irving was returning. So turned out to be worth it. And safe to say the Nets dominated this game from start to finish and there was really there was really no hope that the Hawks would ever win this game like it was all Nets dominated from from the tip to the end and the the best story in this game was honestly it was Vince Carter's last game against the Nets probably Vince Carter had Eight points, three steals on three of six shooting in 14 minutes. The Barkley Center crowd was cheering him on every time he put up a shot, every time he got on the court. He he was the fan favorite of the entire game. You can't blame them. It's one of the best players that the Nets have ever had in their history. But And it was all in good fun, honestly, because the Nets were blowing the Hawks out for the entirety of the game as it started with a 37-16 first quarter, and the final score was 108-86. The Hawks shot 33% from the field and 25% from three to the Nets 53% from the field and 38% from three. Kyrie shot a miraculous 10 of 11 from the field in his return. On his way to 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. Spencer Dinwiddie shot just 2 of 7 from the field. 7 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists. We could see his production dial back a bit with Kyrie back. But he did remain in the starting lineup. So Atkinson's trying the Irving Dinwiddie backcourt platoon. And Joe Harris and Torian Prince both shot efficiently in this one. Which is a promising thing to see despite... The fact that it is the Hawks, so it's you can't take it with, with much. But 
Prince shot five of eight from the field, four of six from three on his way to 14 points and five rebounds. And Joe Harris, five of seven from the field, 11 points and seven rebounds. The only person, well, the only two players aside from Dinwiddie that shot poorly in this one were Karis Levert, who had 13 points and three steals on four of 14 shooting, and Wilson Chandler, who had three points on one of six shooting. The entire Nets team played in this one as Timothy Luau Cabarro, Justin Anderson, and Janan Musa. Each saw the saw playing time. Garrett Temple, Karis LeVert, DeAndre Jordan, Karooks, and Wilson Chandler all saw about 20 minutes off the bench. And all the starters saw in between 20 and 25 minutes. So the Nets were able to to play everyone 25 minutes or less and let everyone get some some court time in this one. Cameron Reddish on the Hawks was really the only player that had the Nets number. He had 20 points and 5 steals on 6 of 16 shooting and 4 of 8 shooting from beyond the arc. John Collins had an awful game, 8 points, 2 of 11 shooting. But that seemed to be the trend for everyone as Brian Goodwin had 8 points on 3 of 12 shooting, the starting point guard for Trey Young. Kevin Huerter had 8 points on 3 of 11 shooting, and DeAndre Hunter had 2 points on 1 of 5 shooting. So, really no one on the Hawks aside from Cam Reddish played well, which is why they are the worst team in the NBA. So, the Nets with this win were set at 18 and 20 going into their death row schedule. So, they had they're a pretty comfortable playoff team at the moment although they're the 8th seed they're still they were still 4 games ahead of the Pistons so although it seems as though they are going to lose a lot of games coming up they are in a good spot because they have a 4 game window and in order for the Pistons to make up that, they'd have to go on a win streak. And the Pistons are three and seven in their last ten. The Bulls are two and eight, and they're four and a half back in their last ten. And the Hornets are two and eight in their last ten, and they're five back. So none of the teams that are eight to twelve are really playing well at all. So the Nets should remain comfortably in the playoff race, but the Magic have jumped them at the moment. Now, moving on to the Jazz game. The Jazz were able to beat the Nets 118-107. It was a pretty comfortable win for the Jazz after they dominated the entire first half and and the Nets played about even with them in the second half. The Jazz won 118-107. They both shot a flat 50% from the field. The Jazz outshot the Nets from the three-point line 36-31%. to The Nets out-rebounded them 51-48. And the turnover battle was won by the Jazz, who had just nine turnovers to the Nets 12. The Jazz' largest lead was 20. The Nets was 5. But looking at the Jazz box score, Bogdan Bogdanovich, the Jazz offensive leader since Mike Conley went down really next to Donovan Mitchell, had 18 points on 8 of 16 shooting. He didn't have much else. He typically is just a scorer, and he does that quite well, and he fits the Jazz really well, actually. Royce O'Neal has 0 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists on 0 of 5 shooting. 
But then you get to the three players that absolutely dominated the game. Joe Ingles, 27 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists on 10 of 14 shooting, 6 of 8 from beyond the arc in 30 minutes. Rudy Gobert, 22 points and 18 boards, 4 offensive boards, 3 assists and 2 blocks on 9 of 12 shooting. And then Donovan Mitchell, 25 points, 4 assists and a steal, 8 of 19 shooting. And then off the bench, Jordan Clarkson had 13 and 3 rebounds on 6 of 13. And Emmanuel Moutier had 7 points and 2 assists on 3 of 6 shooting. On the net side of things, it was a very Kyrie Irving dominated game as he had 32 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists on 12 of 19 shooting. Aside from that, Spencer Dinwiddie had 17 points on 17 shots with 5 assists. Joe Harris had 13 points on 5 of 10 shooting, and Karis LeVert had 11 points and 3 assists on 5 of 13 shooting. Jared Allen had just 8 points and 2 rebounds in 25 minutes on 4 of 8 shooting, while DeAndre Jordan had 9 points and 14 rebounds in 23 minutes on 4 of 5 shooting. So, they combined for 17 and 16 in their 48 minutes. And Torian Prince was a non-factor in this one as he shot 3 of 9 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3 for 6 points. I actually um, submitted a DraftKings lineup for the night of that uh, Jazz game and had both Joe Ingles and Kyrie Irving and uh, was able to win the contest that I was in. It was a multiplier, top 18 out of 62, multiply their money by three. And speaking of sports betting, mybookie.ag, it's our online betting partner here at Hoopball. Go sign up for a new account and use promo code NETS, N-E-T-S, and mybookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Head there now again. That's mybookie.ag and the promo code is the word NETS. Now, moving on to the last game that has to be covered. The Nets lost to the 76ers that were missing Joel Embiid. And the Nets were, were with Kyrie Irving, but he did not have a great performance in this one. And the Sixers wound up just dominating the fourth quarter. The Nets won the first quarter, tied the second, and won the third. And were up four heading into the fourth and got outscored by 15 in the fourth quarter as they went completely cold. Kyrie Irving shot 6 of 21 from the field, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. Dinwiddie dominated 26 points, 8 assists, 8 of 16 shooting. Jared Allen also played well, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 7 of 8 shooting. So did Torian Prince, 15 points, 5 of 9 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3, 7 rebounds, 3 steals. Joe Harris did not play well, 2 of 9 from the field, 6 points, 6 rebounds, 1 steal. And Karis LeVert, 4 of 10, 23 minutes, 12 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. DeAndre Jordan played just 10 minutes and only had 4 points and 3 rebounds. The Sixers side of things, Ben Simmons had 20 points, 6 rebounds, 11 assists on 9 of 13 shooting in 41 minutes. 
the Sixers went into this game saying that they wanted Tobias Harris to take a lot of more shots with him, beat out and be aggressive and start dominating the offense and kind of take a leadership role while Embiid is out. And he definitely did that in this one. He had 34 points and 10 rebounds on 14 of 20 shooting, five of, four of six from beyond the arc. And then moving on to Josh Richardson and Furkan Korkmaz. The Korkmaz shot 5 of 13, Richardson 5 of 12. They each had 15 points. Richardson added three blocks. Matisse Thibel was in the starting lineup and had five points, two steals, four blocks. Defensive maestro, 27 minutes. He will be in the league for a long time for his ability to put up defensive stats no matter what. He He's a defensive monster, and, and he's already shown it as a rookie. And Al Horford, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 4 of 14 shooting. He's going to have to play better with them. Beat out for the Sixers to win games. The Sixers held the Nets to just 43% shooting from the field, but the Nets shot 48% from three. They made just 60% of their free throws as Joe Harris missed both of his. Kyrie was one of two. Karis LeVert was three of six. It was not a great shooting night from the line for them at all. And a glaring, glaring stat. Spencer Dinwiddie played 37 minutes and had a plus-minus of minus one. And Kyrie also played 37 minutes and had a plus-minus of minus 29, which shows, one, how bad of a game Kyrie had, but how well Spencer Dinwiddie impacted this game overall. Dinwiddie was a very positive factor on the court, and they started to lose hold of the game every time he sat. Now that the games are done, moving on to... Kyrie's recent comments about the future of the Nets. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to be too optimistic on this one. There's really no reason this should have happened. He's talking to the media and he, he, he says that the the core of the team, him, KD, Garrett Temple, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, it's glaring that they need one or two more key pieces for them to win a championship. All right, so first of all, I don't know how he can possibly, possibly say that, being that he's played just 14 games and the Nets have played tremendously worse with him on the court. And and how how exactly do you leave Joe Harris and Torian Prince out of that? Because because you you want to sit there and list names. First of all, that's not professional to sit there and just list your teammates' names as the core of the team. But then you're gonna say is glaring. You need another piece. How do you think that makes the starters feel that you think you need another piece? Because now everyone's gonna be unhappy that you think you need help. But in the fourteen games you played. You really, like, yes, he's averaging 27 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Their record is not good when he's been playing. So, and their record is better with him not playing. So, I believe that it's not fair for him in just 14 games to say that he needs help. I think he he should have waited a lot longer to see how the team shakes out or even wait until KD comes back next year. 
that missing piece in all honesty is Kevin Durant. You're 18 and 22. You add, and you're in the playoffs, and you add the best scorer in the world. You're going to be a top three seed. You're going to compete to win the East. You're going to compete to win the championship. You're going to be able to slide Dinwiddie to the bench to play with Joe Harris or Karis Levert on the bench. The team will be stacked, loaded with players. It's going to be a 10-deep team when, when Kevin Durant returns. So I really don't think it's fair for him to say that. And then he wanted to clear it up by saying, I reached out to my teammates to make sure nothing was taken out of context, to make sure they knew exactly what I meant. That's the only thing that matters, that they knew what I meant. And he he basically wanted to make sure that his teammates were not offended by what he said, which is great. But it's a repeating cycle with Kyrie of of asking for too much of players around him. He he wants to be the leader and he wants to play isolation ball and he wants to take all these shots. And then when they lose in a game where he shoots 6 of 21, he wants to say, it's glaring, we need another piece, right? It's glaring. Uh, it's just, it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He he needs to be patient. Let the let the team settle in, and if they don't work out next year, then you can start saying that. This year was a throwaway season, and everybody knew it. Yes, they are supposed to make the playoffs, but Kevin Durant is not playing. You're not going to win a championship. That's the bottom line. It it's a season just to gel together. Until KD gets there and build the culture so it's ready when, when KD gets there. Although he's already there. He's in the culture. He's on the bench. So the culture should already be be made by the time KD is playing. But with Kyrie saying things like this, it just breaks it down. He needs to just, just honestly, for once, just not speak out against his teammates and just play the game. Now moving on to the last item of business, the on-off court numbers, my favorite thing. Now that we're midway through the season, I'm going to revisit the stat that I love so much and it's really the stat that I think is the most important out of any stat in the game because what means more than the player's impact on the court versus off the court? Really nothing if we're being honest, but let's just take note of a couple things the Nets points per game they're 17th out of 30 in the league opponent points per game they're 18th so they're really bottom half in both their their offensive rating is is bottom seven and their defensive rating is 12th so they've shown that they're better on defense so far in the season Kyrie back things may change that number on offense may go up and in pace they're top 10 they're 10th in the league in pace now, moving on to the actual on-off court numbers, let's start with Joe Harris. Joe Harris, there's a positive plus .8 overall rating when he is on the court and a negative 6.8 when he's off the court. So that makes for a plus 7.6 on-off court rating difference. So, out of... Out of the next two guys we're going to discuss, Dinwiddie and Prince, 
Harris has a lower positive number when he's on the court, but it's also it's a lower negative number. So Harris, by that, it means Harris has less of an impact than the next two guys did with Ian Prince. But being that the overall difference is positive 7.6, Harris is still making a positive impact because he the defense is forced to stretch out when Harris is on the court because of his sharp shooting ability, obviously. They have to always keep an eye on him. Dinwiddie is a plus 1.4 overall when he is on the court with offense being better and a negative 7.5 with him off the court. The offense takes a huge hit. The defense, not not all that bad at all, but the offense takes a huge hit when Dinwiddie sits. It's a negative 14.3 when Dinwiddie's not, not playing. So his main impact is offensively, but he is definitely a solid defensive player as well. He's proven this year he is worthy. I believe he's worthy of an all-star game. I don't know that he'll get it now that guys like Zach Levine have, have began to surge, but he's definitely worthy of consideration. Now moving on to Torian Prince, he's a positive 8.7 with plus 1.5 with him on the court, negative 7.2 with him off. Um, Similar to Dinwiddie, the offense takes a huge hit with him off the court. And although he shoots pretty inefficiently, the offense actually operates better with him on the court in terms of um, field goal percentage and rebounding percentage although assist percentage is is down when when he is on the court slightly same for Dinwiddie it's up when Joe Harris is on the court but um Torian Prince overall is a plus 8.7 and he's making a great impact on the team even though his numbers are not as great as we hoped heading into the season as me and Najee had predicted him as our our breakout player for the Nets. And really the only other great, great on-off-court number is Jared Allen, plus seven. The defensive numbers are, they they take a slight hit to when he's off the court, but so does the offense because he's a better offensive player overall than Jared, than DeAndre Jordan. So he's a plus 7. Plus 1.4 with him on, minus 5.6 with him off. And you look at DeAndre Jordan, although it's improved from earlier in the season, negative 5.8 with him on, plus 0.8 with him off. Anytime it's positive and you're off and negative when you're on, that's a problem. The offense is tremendously better. 11.3 rating points better with him off the court. So... DeAndre Jordan seems to be the biggest issue still, although his veteran presence has helped Jared Allen tremendously. His his on and off court numbers are proving that he is he is not doing well at all. Like in terms of the impact on the team on the court. Off the court, he has been a tremendous, tremendous mentor to Allen because this is the biggest step he's taken yet in his career. 
And his attitude in the locker room has has been pretty uplifting too. You can tell that he he's always a high energy guy. So I think it's worth it to have him on the team no matter what because he still he still gives you double double numbers. It's just his defense has not been great and his offense, you know, is limited to simply dunks. So it's it's it it could all be fixed when KD comes back. But for now, his numbers have not been great. Kyrie in the games he played is a plus four, negative one point five with him on, negative one point nine with him off. Not a huge difference. We'll need a bigger sample size to see how it shakes out. And the only really other noteworthy player to point out. Well, David and Waba was a plus ten when he was playing, but as we know, he is out for the season and waived. So. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing him anymore. Garrett Temple, negative 2.7 with him on, negative 0.8 with him off. So he's a negative 1.9 overall. But these numbers, although they mean a lot, I think it just shows that when KD plays, the guys who are at the positive on-off-court numbers are going to be the ones that are playing the most even with KD there. We could see Torrey and Prince and Dinwiddie as a bench duo next year. In reality, the li- the lineup could be Kyrie, Lavert, Joe Harris, KD, and Jared Allen, and then you have Dinwiddie, Torrey, and Prince, and and DeAndre Jordan off the bench. That's pro- that's probably the best bench in basketball. So, yes, these numbers are important, but they're important for this season. They they don't mean anything for next season. Next season is really what matters too. And before I head out. I'm going to pick a random letter from a generator like Najee always does and then give my player for that letter. Okay, the letter that I get is M. And the first thing that came to my head for M is both Monte Morris and Malik Beasley, the bench duo for the Nuggets. So that is all I have for you today. Me and Najee will be back for an episode early next week. And thanks for listening. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.